It's Tim here, and before you hear the podcast, I have a quick note. Due to rights reasons, the songs have been shortened for this podcast. Every song is taken from the Kinks' The Journey Part 1. All songs were written by Ray Davis, unless otherwise stated. The music was performed by the Kinks, Ray Davis, Dave Davis, Pete Quaife and Mick Avery, as well as John Dalton, John Gosling and Alan Holmes. It was released on the 24th of March on BMG. Enjoy. Tim's listening party was a lockdown sensation. Unfortunately, it was on Twitter, which you can't listen to. But Absolute Radio has the solution. Tim Burgess explores seminal albums alongside the artists who brought them to life. Absolute Radio presents Tim's listening party with Tim Burgess. Hi, it's Tim Burgess here, and I'm very happy to be bringing my listening party to Absolute Radio. During lockdown, I realised we all had the opportunity for a shared experience, bringing people together to take part in one great big listening party. Since then, we've played back over a thousand records in real time, all together, along with the people behind them. Now, I'm bringing these listening parties to radio, where we'll be celebrating albums, and I'll be joined by some of my favourite artists who made them. And as ever, don't forget to tweet me at Tim Burgess and at Absolute Radio using the hashtag Tim's Twitter Listening Party throughout the show. This episode I'm joined by one of the greatest and most important British rock groups of all time. They're Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. They have 22 top 20 singles. They've sold 50 million records worldwide. And after 60 years, their legacy speaks for itself. It's The Kinks. I had the pleasure of chatting to Dave and Mick Avery and then Ray Davis recently. We'll be going between those conversations to hear from each member of the band on their new project, The Journey Part One. Dave Davis and Mick Avery, welcome. You're going to be celebrating an incredible 60-year career of the Kinks over the next couple of years, marking this milestone with a career-defining anthology, The Journey. The Journey Part One was released on 24th of March and the songs have been handpicked for the first time by yourselves and Ray. It's been curated according to themes inspired by the trials and tribulations of your journey through life together as a band since 1963. There's 36 songs on the record, and so I've handpicked a selection of my favourites and some songs I was keen to ask you about. And I suppose like the first track we should talk about is the first track on the record, which is You Really Got Me. Um, I have a few statements to say about that um, and a few questions, but the first thing is how did you invent punk oh um well you get guitar yeah and a guitar in and you plug it in and turn it out <laughs> <laughs> really all scientific really very scientific very, that explains am, it am i am i right to say that you turned up with a broken guitar amp i think a lot of it happened at the beginning we were looking for something different yeah and Ryan and I had always been totally absorbed in, in music, from, like, Little Richard to yeah. Eddie Cochran to the jazz people. Yeah. And uh, I remember we used to clown around with a few uh, sounds that yeah. were based on s- some of the Ventures riffs. Yeah. That they had. We were big fans of Ventures. And really, I think, in a way, they kind of... Not invented, but they stylized that barcode thing. And I remember that the rhythm guitarist's mum worked on the Venture Stations. Oh, wow. And that's why if you play Venture Truck, when you hear it, the rhythm guitar's quite loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She used yeah. to nip in there and push up volume. Wow. And that's what I like, that really loud rhythm 
but it's so vocal. Oh, it's savage sounding, yeah. And um, the guitar player was amazing on that. And uh, one day I got this little amp from the radio shop next door. Yeah. Called an El Pico amp. Little 10 right. more amp. Okay. Lovely. And um, I'd had an argument with my girlfriend. I came back and I thought, oh, you know, am I going to kill myself or kill the amp? <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to, no, smash your amp up a bit. Smash your amp up a little bit. Invent a new sound. No, I'll see what happens. Because <laughs> we're always a big science fiction. Wow, wow, wow. I found as a kid, so uh, I didn't know where it would take me. Nick, how old were you at the time of coming up with this song? Well, uh, I was just 20, and yeah. the band, uh, well, Dave's three years younger. So. Wow, 17. But, um, yeah, when I joined the band, uh, they were playing sort of rhythm and blues stuff, in, in a Chuckberry and yeah. stuff like that, and uh, all sorts of blues things. And then um, suddenly uh, I introduced this... Uh, you really got me to the band. Yeah. No, I didn't really know what to make of it at <laughs> first. So it was, it was a, bit, a bit different from what we've been doing anyway. And um, we did, you know, we used to play on stage and uh, went down well. So uh, Ray and Dave said we should record this. Yeah. In a record company, didn't know where to go with it because they weren't really they agreeable. They didn't know what to do. No. <laughs> and then. There was one bloke that stuck his nose out and said, yes, I think, yeah, you should go with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Always uh, needs one person to do that, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. But what happened was we had this new, bright new guy, Shell, was he from... Shell Tell Me. Yeah, Shell Tell Me, yeah. He had his fantasies about being a new fuel spectre. Yeah, yeah, why not? I mean... Well, yeah, I mean, well, you know, you can blame. Yeah, at least in practice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he had his sight set on that wall of sound thing, yeah. which really wasn't what we wanted. You know, no. we were playing You Really Got Me in my mum's front room. And Was this when, we, did he have the Flying V at this point? No, that came later. Did it, right, when, okay. Uh, that was the only guitar I could find in the top. <laughs> you know, the musicians today are really spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Of course. Me going out one time. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's all you need, though, right? You know. Yeah. <laughs> so it was all pretty rough and ready. But, um, anyway, show I just I do about water sounds, right? Yeah. And we had our own little ideas, and we had very fixed ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How the song should go. Yeah. We listened to the playback and the mix the first time we did it, and me and Ray looked around and said, oh. This isn't right, this ain't working. Right. You put echo on everything. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. It needs to be stripped back. And... Yeah, and right, rightly and said, we can't put this record up. If it's not so, working, it's not working, right? No, it's right. So you re-recorded it, or just like took all the effects off? Yeah, we re-recorded it. Okay. It's a little studio in Great Portland Street. I think Glenn Johns... IBC, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think Glenn Johns was on the session. As a tape up. <laughs> Our manager, Robert, he gave us 200 quid to, to redo it. That's very noble. Yeah. And, you know, the rest is history. And people didn't like you, really, got me. A lot it's... of people did not like it. When Ray first came up with the riff, yeah. Together, yeah. Like, me and Ray liked the 
Jazz on a Hot Supper Day movie. Ah, there's a great interesting. There's a great segment on it with Chuck Berry. And he's playing all this really noisy, out of tune rock and roll. Yeah. And they had this jazz guys behind him, they kind of smirking a bit. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. They didn't realise at the time that Chuck had something unique. Me and Roy poked up, we like, really like that attitude of not caring. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I, I really like that attitude. And uh, Ray came out with this riff and just, you know, responded to what Ray was playing on the piano. Amazing. I mean, in 1981, that was when I first heard he really got me. And um, my friend had a car, a GT6. Um, he was 18 years old. I was, I think, 15, something like that. And I heard he really got me for the first time on his cassette player. And it blew me away then. And just preparing for this, listening to it again, it blew me away again. So, yeah, amazing. Yeah, sound. Yeah. And doesn't yeah. date. Doesn't date at all because it's a riff, isn't it? Yeah, it stays with you. Stays with you. Great jazz records all start off as a riff. Now everybody joins in the riff. Yeah, before they wander off into fantasy land. I like the idea that you said going into fantasy land. I I like that. That's that's where I like to be. (laughs) Let's hear that first song on the journey, part one, the classic. You really got me. Kinks there with their first UK number one, You Really Got Me, still sounding great 60 years later on Tim's listening party. It's Tim Burgess here with Dave Davis and Mick Avery from the band. I mean, I read this and I was quite surprised about it, even though I know Hello, I Love You By The Doors very well, but I didn't even really think about that there might be, you know, a, 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 a tribute to the Kinks, you know? When didn't they say that? Well, I don't know. I mean, what I just want to know what your thoughts are. I mean, you know, I mean, the reason why I'm I'm thinking about this as well is that the, the same guy who drove me around in his GT6 and first played me, you really got me, wore what I used to call a Jim Morrison jacket, and I just thought I've got to try and get this in somewhere. And uh, um, but I mean, what were your thoughts about? Well, Hello, it, I love it you. Was like the same notes, but they were done differently a different sound and everything and it's a different song but after so many seconds it's a ripple did you but, think that at the time when you heard it when did you first hear it well when we it came heard out it quite near the time yeah. and uh, it was um, definitely uh, you know the, the same notes yeah and he's got different words with it that's all me and Ray were wondering whether we should sue them and we, we thought it was a silly idea because uh, our, our version was much better <laughs> <laughs> so yes. I'm just Wow. I think that's yeah, a really beautiful to... way of looking at it. I mean, you know, I mean, there's, uh, there's so many cases of you know people in in courts and stuff. Over, oh. I mean, I, I think people have ripped off stuff from my band as well. But we would never yeah. go into that kind of like debate. You know, music's for sharing, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, mostly. Yeah, it, mo- mostly. If but... it's done instantly, you can tell if it's a ripple. Yeah. But if it's done, that's like, true. You can't see a new mm. band. Yeah. And they don't know or so they don't but, <laughs> <laughs> they have a person that does it they do it the completely the wrong way and yeah. it 
doesn't sound right at all. No, so, um, yeah. This guy did it in the, in the television program in LA. He came out, he made it sound like, a, like an operatic voice. Right. Girl, I want to be with you. It's all that. Yeah. What's going on? It just doesn't fit. I don't know. I quite like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when the Charlatans uh, first first started, you know, we, we tried to take little bits from all kinds of sources, really. Um, and I think that's kind of, in, in, in some ways, an early way of write, learning how to write songs, you know. And then over time, you just kind of like... You, you know, just, you know, you just, you know, you know what sounds good, and and then you know to throw in a, a yeah. weird third chord, and you know, and all that kind of thing, and um, so I think I think it's forgivable a little bit in the early days, you know. I mean, I I, I love Hello, I Love You by the Doors. I, I love Jim Morrison, but let's press play on the Kinks all day and all of the night. This is Tim's listening party, and as well as speaking to Dave and Mick from the Kinks, I had the privilege of chatting to Ray Davis too. Would you tell me a little bit about Tired of Waiting for You? So I've read, right, that it was partly written on a train, uh, and partly written in a cafe opposite the studio, and I just figured that you were tired of waiting for the rest of the band to show up, because I've been in that situation a million times. I think you're partly correct. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had the rhythm section play. <laughs> right. Go go backtrack down. And I pretended to have a cold. <laughs> I said, I can't sing tonight. I didn't write the lyrics till I was on the train. So I laughed my way through that one. Wow. I mean, that's quite a song to say that you blasted through. Yeah, well, I didn't want to waste studio time. You know, we had three-hour sessions. I didn't have the luxury of recording all day or all week. Wow. It was an imposed time limit. I didn't want to waste the engineer's time because we were complete novices. In a sense, we still are. I didn't want to waste their time. So I said, I had a cold. Can I come back tomorrow, sir? Wow. Came back with the song finished and my girlfriend and Dave and Pete Quaife did the backup vocals and it's did a great job. It's thrown together, really. I mean, it's, it's one of my personal favourites, anyway, that one. Yeah, it's got a haunting theme. I wrote the original instrumental as a sort of a slave chanting. So tired, tired of waiting for you. Wow. And it wasn't until we had to really got me as a hit, number one record. Yeah. That I realised where I got the theme from. Very simple, really. But please don't keep me Tim Burgess here on Absolute Radio, having a listening party with the Kinks. Ray, the next song I wanted to talk to you about is um, Stop Me Sobbing from 1964. What do you remember about it? It's a breakup song. It makes me emotional. I had a girlfriend at the time from art college who had a terrible crush on me for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I met my girlfriend, new girlfriend. I, I tried to break it to her, the old girlfriend, Gently, 
because I didn't want to be a two-timing musician. It's too emotional to talk about because I still know this woman. I'm too emotional, man. When an album like this is put together, even if it's like it's an emotional song like that, do you still feel that it has to go on even though you have to kind of detach yourself a little bit from it? Yeah, these songs, it's like excavation of songs from another age. So I suddenly realised this poor woman, a girl, this was only 18, I was 19, 20, how hurt she was. But at least I broke it to her in a nice way. I mean, that, I mean, that's incredible. And it went on to be covered by The Pretenders. Actually, that was the first time that I heard that song, and it wasn't until, you know, I, I, I bought an early album of yours and played, you know, play, played, the, played the record through, you know, that I recognised the song from The Pretenders. And, you know, I mean, I, I fell in love with the song, you know, in both versions, really. Do you have a favourite song of yours that has been covered by other people? Well, Van Halen did, you really got me. That was amazing, actually. It kicks off their career. She's kind of proud, in a sense, because I um, started two careers with major artists, with the Pretenders and Van Halen. Well, actually, I think you um, started punk rock as well, and probably Britpop um, might have started because of you as well. So you might have started like a lot more, more careers than just, than just those two. <laughs> You know, the influence of, of your songwriting and the Kinks, um, you know, has just been felt through, throughout my, my lifetime. My band, um, we kind of, we formed in the late 80s, but we were always looking towards, um, you know, bands from the 60s and, you know, the Kinks were the blueprint, really. Yeah. That's just felt generation after generation after generation. I mean, I think, you know, your songs are masterful strokes, you know. Like I said, it's like an excavation. Yeah, I get that. I've never heard that before, but it's it's a good way of putting it. Moving over to hear from Dave Davis and Mick Avery now. Ray as a songwriter yeah. was, was really on the move. Yeah. I think his publisher, he was hearing from a lot of singers. Uh, was there yeah. a girl duo that wanted a song? Yeah, and yeah. he Ray just bashed out a stop yourself and so on. So he was kind of writing that for was the quite people. An early number was one of the yeah. first songs he wrote, I think. And yeah, we he probably, he probably we wrote it at art school or somewhere. Yeah. We weren't going to really do it on a record, but this sounds pretty cool. What we hear on the album, Stop Yourself and yeah. is really our attempt to at make a demo for Ray to play it to these girls. Got you. Yeah, and I thought it was pretty neat. Neat. Been in America too long. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I heard it was uh, Pretenders, and uh, I was playing a Kinks album, and 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 I didn't realise that you know that it it already been written by Ray for you know somebody yeah. else. But I love the idea that I heard it before by somebody else, and then you know I was becoming a fan of the Kinks, and then realised that you'd written a song that was already a favourite by a. Uh, Kind of post punk or whatever the pretenders were, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been that kind of like that, that style of writing where you just like fire the publisher. fire the songs out and. He's got a couple of publishers got a couple of hits under his belt. Yeah, yeah. Small. Yeah. Give us some more, more. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray yeah. had a relationship with uh, Chrissy Hind. Yeah. yeah, that's what sparked it off. 
She's had a pretty good job of it. I think it's a good long time yeah. after the voice. original. Yeah. yeah. She's yeah. got a great voice, isn't it? Oh, I love Chrissy. I think she's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, uh, you know, Brass in Pocket as well, Flipping Neck. I mean, fantastic. Yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's your version of Stop Your Sobbing. The Kinks, stop your sobbing on Tim's listening party. Tim Burgess here, and I'm delighted to be joined by The Kinks. The next song I'd like to talk about is I'm Not Like Everybody Else. It's a bit of a outsider anthem, and sung by you, Dave. It seemed an obvious Dave song that wrote, wrote. Do you think he was uh, written for yeah. you, about you, maybe? Yeah, or, yeah? I think so. Yeah. yeah, nice. It's a bit of a crazy kid. I didn't find out until later on, late, later years... I had dyslexia, and uh, it's quite an advantage if if you're a musician or an artist, painter. It's yeah. great. Cause yeah. You do think differently. Yeah. And you're not there just to get in the way. And yeah. a, a, a song like I'm not like everybody else kind of makes a, a statement of intent as well. Like, sort it. That's what I'm like. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Yeah. You know, and. And a lot of people, a lot of Kinks fans, a lot of musicians do take it as kind of a statement about their own lives. Yeah, because, you know, many musicians don't fit in, you know, uh, to their surroundings, you know, of the... of the considered the norm. You know? <laughs> yes, why they become musicians. And, and, and to me, that was the song that really kind of like... I mean, obviously, you know, you really got me, really got me, uh, but I'm not like everybody else. It felt like, you know, I was on the right path. But also, it's that feeling of like being rebellious and uh, yeah. different. Yeah. You, you, yeah. People want to be different. Yeah. They don't want to be like everybody else. No. I mean, I, I mean some, some do, you know, some but. Some do. But, yeah, but, but. Some don't. I didn't. Here's the track we've been talking about I'm not like everybody else. I'm not like everybody else. I'm not like everybody else. From 1966, that was I'm Not Like Everybody Else on Tim's Listening Party. There's so many songs, um, you know, that people know and can probably sing the words to or whistle, you know, down the street, and this is one of them. Yeah, it was good fun to make that, actually. (laughs) I always thought that Dead End Street was more iconic to me. Yeah. As an expression of what Kinks represented, then you really got me. Right. Because the subject matter of where the people come from yeah. and their attitudes or non-attitudes or yeah. whatever, I, th- I think Dennis Street has always, always held a very special place for me. Yeah. You know, yes. amongst all the great songs that Ray and I have written yeah. over the years. Yes, a lot of people could relate to that because they, you know, I had a girlfriend at the time when we recorded it, I played it to her and she said, she started laughing because it described her place perfectly, you know. Wow. One room, you know, rented room, 
Yeah. It's like kitchen sink leaking. drama. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that, it's, you know, just a, paints a picture of a scene. Yeah, I think it's, it's a great thing a lot about the kinks and growing up, what we did, and yeah. Ray's his, his sense of observation. Yeah. Mm. A lot of his writing is like... Very in tune. Yeah, but it's sort of being a journalist in a way. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, not you want to do that, but, but like um, it really helped his writing and, and being in tune with his feelings and our feelings. Yeah. Because uh, a, a lot of Kinks music is based on our family, really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think there's a, a sense of honesty about the Kinks. Yeah. That I've always kind of trusted or invested in. Yeah, I mean, just writing about, like, you know, like Muswell Hill or Australia. All the words in these songs, all the lyrics, they make sense now. You know? Yeah. It's not just one era, it seems to come around again. But it, it seems to happen, doesn't it, though? With, if you're honest about something, yeah. eventually truth and honesty and all those values do actually come through, I think. Without a doubt, and that's why they're so yeah. classic, these songs, you know. And, like, can you remember the moment that you recorded it and how you felt can you set the scene I remember looking for a trombone player <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would try out some <laughs> some uh, session play, guys playing yeah. the oh, yeah, well, French horn yeah da, 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 da. yeah and the, you know they come in they have to you know, write the music down and count the bars and stuff Ray said oh it's all a bit sort of stiff and it's not quite and right, anyway. So it went to the pub, and one of their man- managers uh-huh. went to the local pub. I was a muse ago. Like, yeah. And anyone can play trombone in it. Oh, you do. <laughs> no, it was, it was a quiet. Like, yeah, it was a jazz yeah. John, someone. We got him in. It just we played the you know, the parts that then the. Bits that repeat every now and then, and we said we want something at the end, and he just went into it. Because that's the sort of stuff he plays, I suppose. That wow. We can improvise, and that was perfect. You're listening to Tim's Listening Party on Absolute Radio, and this is The Kinks with Dead End Street. What are we living for? Tim Burgess here on Absolute Radio with Ray Davis, Dave Davis and Mick Avery from The Kinks. They're celebrating 60 years as a band. We've just heard Dead End Street. As we play back now, your new anthology release, The Journey Part 1. The next track on the album is 1968's Wonder Boy. And I I'd actually read that um, that Pete Quaife didn't like the song. Uh, for some reason, and 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 and, 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 and it, I, I, I was thinking, um, you know, there's been a couple of members died in in, in the Charlatans, and um, you know we've done compilation albums, and I thought to myself, but, um, and we, you know, I, I always bear John and Rob in mind when we're when we're doing things, and um, and I thought to myself, I wonder if because I know there's a couple of songs that John didn't like, and and and, and I thought to myself, would I put one on, you know, if he wasn't around that he didn't like, and I thought, yeah, the answer's yes, I definitely would, and and I just wondered what your thoughts were about that, or whether even Pete didn't like the song anyway. Well, or... I, yeah, Pete was... No idea. 
<laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> but um, it's a thing about that song I particularly like about Wonder Boy. I love that song. It's got an element. Ray was kind of at that time when he was kind of introducing a lot of mystical things into his lyrics. Does mm-hmm. that line? But I see you and you see me now. Yeah. Ain't that wonder? Yeah. It kind of hit me a bit. Yeah. Like, it's very beautiful. It's really it's beautiful. Like really yeah. Otherworldly. And then we're, you know, is that enough that we're here? Yeah. And we're enjoying our lives together? That really got it for me. And that's why we thought it's one of Ray's probably the most spectacular songs he's written. It's an amazing oh, well. lyric. It really is. You know, I mean, it gets me as well. John Lennon like that one, that song. Yeah, but Tell me about that. The, time, <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles like the Kings. Oh, of course, yeah, I mean, I'm and sure. Not, like, not a mystery. We yeah. like the, 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 um, what are they called? The Beatles. Oh. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I remember meeting John Lennon. He was in the early days. He didn't. He, he, he was ambivalent about the Kinks, I think, because we did a show in Liverpool, Liverpool Empire, and we opened for the Beatles. Right. And they couldn't get us off stage. <laughs> and Lennon never forgot forgot that. No. no Paul and, uh, McCartney said, "You didn't have to warm up that much." <laughs> That's a compliment, right? Yeah. Amazing compliment. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, oh. Got, they got their own back. Yeah, Paul Winner's concert. Paul Winner's concert. They put us on last, and the Beatles, Beatles went on before us, <laughs> so they could get away. So you imagine what that was like? <laughs> oh, we've been done. That. <laughs> <laughs> Bad day that was. That's Wonderboy by The Kinks. It's Tim Burgess here with the one and only Ray Davis. I wanted to chat about the next track on side two, School Days, from 1975's album School Days in Disgrace. I wasn't really familiar with that track, so I'd love you to tell me about it. It was where Conk comes into it. Uh, okay. School Boys in Disgrace was the second album of The Kinks that was recorded at Conk. And uh, I bought a new piano. Yeah. And uh, John Gosling played keyboards. And christened the piano with that. School days, how do you think about the happiest days in your life? I wanted effects, like vocal overdubbing and things like that. I'm amazed how well the backing vocals sound. Sometimes I make tracks make records to hear what they sound like rather than what they say. Yeah. Like when you write a song, do you leave it open in a, in a way to see what the others bring? Or, or do you kind of like, are you always kind of like saying, well, this is how I imagine it, this is how I imagine it? Or, you know, do you let it just kind of like almost let the song do its thing and, you know, let it reveal to you, reveal to you what it's going to be? It gets to a point where you want to detach yourself from it because... I get too close to it sometimes and want to hear how Mick and Drum and Dave interpret my ideas. 
then I, then I discard it and go back to what I thought of in the first place. <laughs> so, uh, so you mean that you know that, that what they bring, you can sort of like say if it's not right, it's not right. You just start start over, or 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 do you just sort of like see it as something else? It's um, part of the process of putting a track together, as you probably know, being in a band yourself. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It can be frustrating, but I mean, it's a beautiful thing just watching something grow. There's a, there's a break in the middle. When I was a schoolboy, I had loads of regulations and rules. I told Mick to put something in there, and it was a labum. Yeah. A snare bass drum. You know, I, I like tracks for effects like that. Let's see what Dave and Mick's thoughts are about this. Well, the thing is, Ray was like the headmaster of the band. It had just been something that he'd grown into. Yeah, is it, was, yeah. it, was, it was, the, the real story is, is that <laughs> Ray borrowed it from an episode in my life where I was chucked out of school. Yeah. When I was a kid. Yeah. And um, we came up to mischief with a girl in the woods. Right. And uh, I think Ray got the idea for the hop, hop, but Ray acted as a headmaster in the piece. Do you think this is something that he'd always wanted to be, the, he- the headmaster, or...? Well, yeah. what was funny, I, <laughs> said, I spoke to Ray about this, and I said, yeah, it's really great, we, we had a great album, which I thought was a great album, Schoolboys in, in Disgrace, and, um, but you really based it on my life at school, so we're... Can, mm. Yeah, yeah, it's okay, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know about those angles. Didn't grow up. Sometimes it's yeah. best not to know, I think. Yeah, but, but that was it. It was like a, <laughs> a secret, not a secret, but it was like... Well, you can't reveal everything as well. It's a song. Yeah, it's, it's, a, lot of, a lot of music is kind of better when it's untold. Yeah, of course, because it leaves so much to the imagination. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, you know, and, and you can actually kind of ruin it for people if you say, no, this is a subject matter, this is it. It's like... You know. But Ray was acting like that. He was a headmaster <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I got it all wrong because I, I thought it was taken from, uh, well, going back a bit in the 60s, there was a, a, a sitcom about uh, a school and the, there's a headmaster that's played by Jimmy Edwards. Yeah. And he, oh, he, he, used to be, he used to be really stern and strict and they had a wimpy sort of uh, 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 deputy headmaster and he always used to Bring me that boy. He needs to be punished. And the and uh, the other, uh, the the other wimpy man was, please, please don't don't punish the boy. What was it called? That show? Please, please. <laughs> don't. What was that show called? Uh, Wacko. It's on radio. Wacko. It's yeah. cool. But obviously, yeah. our version nothing to do with it. But nothing like to funny it. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hear that track then. School days. When I was a schoolboy, I loathed regulations and rules. I hated my textbooks and my school uniform, cause it made me conform. And teachers were always disobeyed. But I'd go back if I... The next track comes from one of my favourite records. The Kinks are the Village Green Preservation Society. It's Do You Remember Walter? You remember him. <laughs> you know, you have to realise, apart from Ray being a great songwriter, yeah, he's obviously a very secretive one. Yeah. Hmm. But maybe that's a quality of writing anyway. 
So do you know do you know who Walter is? Well, I got, got an idea who he is. But his name's not Walter. No. Well, no. He, no. Know, no. It's a great name to protect. Yeah, pretend against it. It's a beautiful, but it's just like such a beautiful kind of like kind of dance hall-y kind of vibe or something, music hall kind of vibe. Yeah, but it's also got an element of love. It's a love story. Yeah, yeah. You can say it now, but in those days, you, you know, if you had real affection for a guy at school, yeah, they think there was something dodgy about you, right? Yeah, you know, which today it's a lot more. Open yeah. and acceptable. Yeah. But I always thought that I could be totally wrong, and only Ray not really knows. Yeah. But I think it was a selection of people. Yeah. But I yeah. think it's kind of a bit of a tribute to our nephew Terry. Yeah. Who had to move to Australia. Yeah. On the Arthur wow. album. Wow. So I think there's a bit of terror in there. Oh, mm. what if? Why did he go over that kind of vibe? Yeah. Yeah. You'd never know, because he doesn't divulge anything. But I love the idea that it could be a few people and talking about certain, you know, different it's circumstances about, too, yeah. yeah. It's as well. It's like, that's just what great writing's about, I think, is yeah. creating those emotions Yeah. that you can't quite put your finger on, but it, you know they happen because you feel them. Well, for me, you know, like uh, Village Green and something else, uh, just like so special records, massive, massively special records in my collection. Yeah, and, uh, well done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I was showing you before. But I have a, an eighties version um, of, of something else, but I've got an original of Village Green. You know, Gatefold, Sleep, and everything like that. Right. But um, you know, they're the best and original concept albums. You know. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And um, so, and everyone should know that. In fact, that's why I'm saying it. Everyone should know that, and uh, and all my friends agree. I also got Ray's thoughts on this. At that point in our career, we, we thought we'd never go back to America again. We, we were denied visas for some reason. So I just thought we can write songs about things we just want to write about and record. That's how Village Green came up. Yeah. And Walter was one of those people, everybody's got a water in their life. <laughs> so he wasn't like a, a real person, it was just a, a kind of like, a, you know, I think today for girls they call them Karens. Karen? So is Walter like a, is Walter like a male Karen? Yeah, if, if my interpretation of Karen is correct. <laughs> I love that. That's Do You Remember Walter on Tim's Listening Party. As I go through the Kinks' journey, part one, with Ray, Dave and Mick from the band. Let's go to side three, or CD two. Days and Nights of a Lost Soul, Songs of Regret and Reflection of Happier Times. The first track I'm going to choose, so we're going to skip a couple, but um, Days, what a song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he turns all these um, ideas over in his mind, you know, and they're all things that... Uh, He's been through and yeah. just put a, you know, a story to a thought. Yeah, again, it hits people and they, they can understand. All the words mean a lot with Ray because he's, 
He writes a lot of words and like meaningful words and not throwaways. Yeah, of course. So uh, everyone can make their own thing about it. You know. Beautiful cover yeah. version by Kirsty McCall as well. Yeah, I love it. Love Kirsty. And uh, I remember yeah. she came on stage to do it and went up with Daddy Key. Came to town. So oh, yeah. <laughs> She's so great. Yeah, it's a shame. Very beautiful. I, I mean, I, I I never met her, but I know lots of people who work with her and and, and met her. And, and, very and, special. Yeah, that's what everybody said. But also days, you know, Ray was writing about things that were going on in the band and us and his life. Yeah, he just broken up with Mrs. and Pete left. He left. I was leaving. And yeah, and I remember a time we were in the studio. We started doing days. Yeah. And he wrote on one of the tape boxes, days, there's D, said. Yeah. D, A, Z. <laughs> Hendrix would have done Jimmy Hendrix would have done it, then if it spelled Pur- like that. Uh, purple days? <laughs> no. Purple days. <laughs> <laughs> I also had the pleasure to speaking to Ray Davis about this. Days, there's something about parting. Just be grateful the person was there. Yeah. In the first place. I think the liner notes on this paper were quite revealing. Because Mick will have his very practical notes, Dave will have his opinion on it, and I've got my mad ideas. Uh, line of notes are essential to the record like this. Again, it's a discovery. It's like the life. Each day is a miracle. Mm-hmm. Not just building an album around hits. It's kind of like helps tell a story. Yeah, and emotion. Sometimes words aren't always important. Sound. Sometimes the sound evokes an expression. Although many of the kink songs are quite articulate and sometimes too on the money. Days I remember all my life. Days when you can't see wrong from right. You took my life. But then I knew that very soon you'd leave me. A UK number two hit for the band that joins me today, The Kinks. Dave and Mick are with me in the studio. This thing that we're doing today, it started on Twitter. It started three years ago. And I noticed sensitive warning on Kinks tweets. You know, anything that has the word kink in it is kind of like flagged up. Yeah, as, uh, actually, uh, it's been the last yeah, yeah, and I just wondered, 60 years later, the no, name no, is still it's... controversial. Well, has it been like a pain or has it been kind of like something that you're quite proud of? Yeah, I didn't That's... like it first. I but... liked Ravens, was a name yeah. that we had before yeah. we changed it to the kinks. Yeah. I mean, how did the name come about, and where did you, where did you get it from? I kind don't of thing. Know. So many people yeah. say they thought. Oh, well, I, I don't thought know. That. I, I thought was of it. it. No. Was it you? <laughs> That's what I thought it was. Was it you? When you were two. Yeah, I thought when I was two. Was it you that thought of it, or there was, some whoever was, thought about it? it was I about used to you, wear probably. what they call kinky clothes, whatever that means. Just I used to wear violent boots, yeah. leather boots. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I'm not like everybody else, if you yeah, don't mind. Yeah, don't yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's a very truthful name, you know. Yeah, and uh, if there was silly art, I thought, I'd wear that, it's yeah. cool. Yeah, And I used to wear cookie boots and all that stuff. There was something in the paper about there was a big political scandal 
a perfume affair. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, no yeah. Papers. Yes, yeah. Christine Keeler. And talking about kinky sex and all that stuff. Mm. And I'm sure it was Arthur that said, that's what you should call yourself, the yeah. kinks. Yeah. Well, Mark Marvel used to say, whoever called you the kinks, they really hit the nail on the head. Yeah. And coming from your mum, you know, I mean... Yeah, that, <laughs> that's, spot. that's spot on. From the appropriately named The Kink Controversy, it's Where Have All The Good Times Gone? It's Tim's Listening Party on Absolute Radio, and I'm joined by Ray Davis from The Kinks. Your songs are so personal and observational. I mean, do, do you ever wonder what kind of effect they'll have on other people, or is it just, you know, just a personal document? Well, they start off as being personal documents, using my own life experience to get ideas for songs. It's a family of songs, in many respects. Mm-hmm. How have you honed, like, your skills over the years? I mean, and, and do you ever... Like question it or just go with it? I think if I questioned it, I wouldn't be doing it. That's kind of what I thought. Form of expression. You know, it's difficult to do songwriting courses for new writers. I can't tell them how to do it and correct them and give them advice. I think the thing about songwriting is like any other creative form, it's self-inflicted. <laughs> it's something that you can't really teach... Yeah. Right. I mean, if you had made the blueprint, then you know it'd be easy to emulate. You know, but it's just impossible. Yeah, I'll leave it to other people to to write the manual. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure a few people have, have uh, tried that. You know, and it'd be probably some kind of spreadsheet or something like that. And uh, you know, people wouldn't know where to start. I just my brother sent me a, a lyric that artificial intelligence wrote in my style. Yeah. And it's awful. <laughs> Is that like a GPT or something like that? Yeah. I tried once to ask GPT if to write a song in the style of the charlatans, and, um, you know, I was pretty horrified uh, what came back. Yeah. So that's what they think of you. <laughs> well, yeah, it was just like, you know, um, I think the first line was, I walk around in a daze, and then they rhyme, rhyme daze with haze, and you know, which isn't too bad, I suppose, but then it just, you know, it just became like, you know, ridiculous rhymes after that. I, I take songwriting courses seriously because people come full of aspiration. It's amazing what people come up with, how they interpret feelings and emotions. It's a wondrous art form, songwriting. When you start a song, do you get out the pen and paper or do you start it with the guitar, acoustic guitar and a melody? Oh, what comes first is music or the lyrics? What comes first, the music or the lyrics? I don't know. I mean, for me, I, you know, I, write, I write songs with an acoustic guitar and the first chord informs the next and then I might get a melody and I might get a lyric. What comes first? The emotion comes first to me. And then does that kind of like fill you up and then you just like get the pen and sort of like start writing or, or do you get the guitar and it comes together? Well, nowadays I write on a computer. As soon as I've got the shadow of a song down... I play it on guitar, because guitar is my first instrument. Yeah. And uh, see how it sounds. The tone of the guitar is important. 
Moving over to hear from Dave Davis and Mick Avery now. Dave, I wonder if you remember this. The first time I met you was in Los Angeles. I walked in and someone said, oh, there's Dave Davis over there. And I walked up to you and we started chatting. And you said, oh, I'm just about to go. And I said, is there any chance you can give us a lift? And, um, and, and he said, yeah, where are you going? I said, well, towards... The King's Head, I think. It was a. Oh. Uh, towards, Santa, uh, towards Santa Monica. No, Santa no, Monica. it was Coaching Horses. That, that was the name yeah. of the pub. And um, you said, oh, I'll give you a lift. And, you know, we got in your car. And I think, was it a hearse that, that you were driving at the time? I, I, I can't remember. I can't remember what it was. It was like a big black car. And, and, um, and you took me to uh, took me to this bar and, and we kind of like became friends. Yeah, we became we became we, yeah we became. We, <laughs> but you know we well, became friendly and. Happened, man, in LA. There you go. Oh. See, we've got a song. That was great. <laughs> I think we should book the session now. Yeah. Yeah. We have. <laughs> <laughs> it's out. It's out already. And jumping from that, I spoke to Martin from the Charlatans last night that I was going to be doing this interview with you, you two. And he said, I was so thrilled when, when Dave came to see us in Manchester. And, and I just thought, you know, that, that was a wonderful thing. And I remember my vivid memories of that is you telling me that you like the Charlatans song, Love is the Key. And, and yeah, I thought, right. yeah, that's, that is a Dave song. That. Um, but yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. We should we, we should definitely do that. Sitting in the midday sun, what what do you remember about that? Is it a kind of like you know? Is it just an internal sunshine, or is it I a kind it, of like? Is it a particular yeah, place? Yeah, yeah, it's almost like a. It's not Caribbean rhythm, but it it, it reminds you of a place you know, with nice sunny beaches and. You was know, it somewhere that was it somewhere that you'd been to, or was it somewhere uh, imag- in, in no, Ray's imagination? There's nothing in particular. I yeah. think. It's just, I think it's one of Ray's muses to get yeah. ideas. He does that a lot, which is a great way of writing. And imagine you're somewhere that you like to be and want to be. I love that. I mean, I absolutely love that because, I mean, in my band, The Charlatans, uh, we've been in the coldest... Good band, by the way. Oh, thanks. I wouldn't have seen one. <laughs> 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 yeah, you'll have to come again. Um, uh, you, you know, writing in a freezing cold studio about the sunshine is one of the best tonics for especially a great song. Especially in Manchester. Especially in Manchester, freezing cold, <laughs> like, um, you know, middle of January, writing a song about a beach. It's, it's classic. Yeah, I agree. I think yes. you're right. And on that note, let's hear Sitting in the Midday Sun. Tim's listening party here on Absolute Radio. So yeah. the Charlatans, okay, we have a song called Sprouston Green. It's a bit more niche than Waterloo Sunset as a, as, a, as, a, as a place. Not many people know about it. But when the Charlatans are actually in their studio, um, you know, I think about I think about it quite a lot. Um, I'm, I'm always on high alert if I'm walking down the street. And I wonder when you're on Waterloo Bridge or, or actually Waterloo Station, do you have a stock answer for someone coming up and saying, you know, how's Terry and 
Julie. No, it's good. <laughs> I think no, it's it kind of, hardly ever there. But, <laughs> but writing is about things that make believe. It's, well, it's not just a, that place, that train leaves at sort of No, of course. I mean, Sprouston Green is actually just a patch of grass. You know, it's very nothing. Um, but, you know, Waterloo Sunset. Oh, yeah, pinch it. Right, eh? <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> in, oh, this, in this case, in this case, I think it's, it is a you know a scene that Ray used to see all the time because he he used to live in uh, Effingham near Cobham, right? And uh, he used to take the train because he didn't drive during yeah. the and uh, he used to you know almost daily do that trip on the train. So when he was walking across the bridge, he must have saw this picture and wrote about it but it's a great so beautiful London song it? yeah I had this record it was, a, it was the first record that I ever bought by the Kings it was a 10 inch EP called The Shape of Things to Come really? never I know I didn't think you would have I mean I, I've never seen it since you know anywhere uh, but I, I have it and you are playing the Flying V and and um, you got like a red Polo neck on, I think, and um, and uh, but it had it was it was a, a kind of a weird compilation because it had you really got me um, all day all of the night Waterloo sunset. Tim, I love you desperately. I need a pee. Oh uh, well, we better go to the song then. Let's hear that classic from something else. This is the Kinks with Waterloo sunset. But I Still sounding so brilliant. The Kinks, Waterloo Sunset on Absolute Radio. Tim Burgess here, and it's my pleasure to be having a listening party with the Kinks. Dave, I'd like to talk to you about Death of a Clown, a UK number three chart smash back in 1967. It's very you, and it's your song, and it's also on something else, which I've mentioned already, that it's like one of my favourite records of all time. The song is about, in the early, early days of being a showbiz man... <laughs> You know, the drink and the parties and, you know. Yeah. You've know, been yes. there, done that. Been there, but yeah. Like, but same with me, see my friends. Yeah. It was pure before that. I was out on manic party, manic people, and I was in somebody's house. I didn't know whose house I was in. And they played see my friends. Yeah. And I thought, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, I'm partying, like, you know, being smart-ass, if you like, or thinking, I don't want to be in this world anymore, or, or in this, I don't mean in this world, this particular, yeah, yeah world, anymore. yeah. And uh, I went home, and I went to my mum's house, because of the old Joanna piano that she had. Wow. So many songs have written on that. Wow, wow. And it was a perfectly out of tune. You couldn't plan it. And um, <laughs> I started feeling a bit sorry for myself. Yeah. And what the hell am I doing? It's about disillusionment. You know, and I think it's something to writing music on an instrument you're unfamiliar with. Yeah. I think it really helps the writing process. That's a really good tip. And because also if you're not used to something, you know, I mean, I, I'm the singer in a band and I, I'm really not that great at guitar but 
I've, I've been able to write quite a few songs on, on the guitar. Yeah, it's something in there. But I'd like to do the piano next because that, because I'm worse at piano than guitar. So I think, but that, I think that's a great way it's, to write new stuff. It's interesting because you imagine the yeah. songs that Irving Berlin did that one finger pianist. Wow, but love that. It's it's the intent and perfect example I think is Paul McCartney played bass. He, Mm-hmm. It's a good instrument to write songs on. Yeah. I don't know if you've tried it. Well, no, but when you said Paul McCartney wrote on bass, and I was thinking well, of Brian I mean, Wilson Brian Wilson as well, yeah. and, and it's it's those kind of odd notes that they play underneath the main chord, isn't it? That, that can It just sets you off on a different different well, path, it's really. Like, it, I've got to say, it's going to promote my own book in America. It's called sure. Living on Thin Line, and I wrote that on the bass. Right. But song is basically a bass, a bass riff all the way through, and when you change your comfort zone like, yep. to a different instrument, yeah, you come up with different things. Yeah, it's a, and, so, and you should be, you know, you, your comfort zone should be quite wide, yeah. but you should always try and step out of it. And you know, yeah. I think you know, David Bowie did he say that if you can. F- Feel your feet just on the sand if you're swimming, if you're in water, then just about that point is where you should be all the time. Yeah, before we dive in. Death of a Clown by the Kinks on Tim's Listening Party. And sadly, we're nearly out of time. I'm going to end with um, a track from Arthur, or The Decline of the Fall of the British Empire. And it's my favourite Kinks song. And it's called Shangri-La. Oh, oh yeah. That's uh, Nobby's favourite song. The, uh, the old bass player we had, uh, John Dalton. Yeah. He always used to say... That is my favourite song. It's he still says it now. So addictive, you know. You just mm. like listen to it, and you just have to play yeah. it again. And I mean, I, I, I first heard it, you know, it, it was a later album that I got into, and I first heard it when I was actually kind of like, you know, you know, doing other activities like getting, you know, getting right. inebriated quite a lot. And I just and 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 it was one of those songs that I just couldn't stop playing, and it just like it kind of seemed to soothe my soul. I loved that song. It was our first single from the yeah from the Arthur. Album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And people kind of didn't like it. I thought we were taking. You know, I don't understand that at all. Because of the middle class, getting a house, the you save in up. The street. Yeah. And unlike, I think it got misrepresented by a lot of journalists and people at the time. And that's, I think it's a great album. And the whole album. It's a brilliant album. That. It's a brilliant I'm album. Sorry to, to mum promote ourselves. But oh, well, that's what it's, this is about. I mean, you know, it's like a massive, massive collection of work and, and you know, people, everyone should know about it. And, uh, and I'm so glad you love that song because it's oh, very yeah. appreciated. I mean, if you were ever to play live again, right? What Which could ha- have. Yeah? Could <laughs> I don't know when, but... I think, I, I, th- I mean, I think, I think a lot of people would really enjoy that. What would you choose? That was that was my last that was my last question. What would, would I choose? Yeah, well, you know, you, you have an hour and a half. You know, how how would you cut it down? Oh, it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Different set every straight, night, so it's gotta be straight, a tour, right? Yeah. Straight computer. 
Low budget. I mean, there's just so many albums. Give to people what they want. I think people they? demand that you go on tour again. Well, that'd be lovely. Tim, bless what? you. We'll love you. It's Thank great you, to see you. Again. Love you too. It's so good to see you. Moving over to hear from Ray Davis now. Can I ask about Shangri-La from Arthur? I've got written down here that it's my favourite Kink song. I mean, it's hard to say, but I mean, it's always been one of my favourite Kink songs. It wasn't, wasn't until we did this showcase the other week I had an accident of reading and singing the song that I realised Shangri-La was important. It's about striving the journey, if you like. Striving yeah. to make, make the journey worthwhile. At the end, you settle down for just ordinary things. And I found that quite moving. A song about hurt, aspirations. In the end, you can't take it with you because it exists in the world. Just be grateful you had it in the first place. I mean, it's just, it's a fantastic body of work. And, you know, I mean, you, you don't need me to say that. I mean, the world knows it. I just want to thank you and um, for, for the music. I'd like to you add know. that I found this very deeply emotional talking about these songs because I signed off them many years ago and um, just realised how close they are to me. I mean, there's so much more I'd, I'd love to talk to you about. I mean, get on the computer and write some more. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Ray. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thanks, bye. Big thanks to Ray Davis, Dave Davis and Mick Avery from The Kinks for joining me on this episode of Tim's Listening Party. The Journey Part 1 is out now, so make sure you give it a listen. I also wanted to use this time to let you know what else I've been listening to this past week. Um, so this week I've been listening to Trampoline. I actually did a Twitter listening party with them the other day and they recorded their album at Conk. So it fits really nicely with this episode. This week I've been listening to Bill Evans' Undercurrent. It's a beautiful... Beautiful album, beautiful sleeve. Had the album a while, and My Funny Valentine is just absolutely gorgeous on that one. I have also been listening to Nielsen Schmilson, <laughs> Harry Nielsen, and um, yeah, his epic, well, epic title anyway. I mean, there's lots of fantastic songs on there that you'll all recognise, uh, but mostly written by him. I've also been listening to Jonathan Richmond. I listen to him a lot. He is one of my favourites. And this week, I've been listening mostly to Jonathan Richmond, Modern Lovers, 88. That's all we've got time for this week. If you've missed any of the listening party and want to replay tonight's show, make sure to search and follow Tim's Listening Party wherever you get your podcasts to catch up on my chat with Fallout Boy and any of my future guests. Of course, tonight's listening party might be over, but that doesn't mean you can't still get involved. So don't forget to tweet me using the hashtag Tim's Twitter Listening Party. So next week we've got U2's Songs of Surrender, and I'll be joined by my special guest, The Edge. I'm Tim Burgess, and thanks for listening. I'll see you next time for another listening party. Every song in this episode of my listening party was taken from the Kinks' The Journey Part 1. All songs were written by Ray Davis unless otherwise stated. They were performed by the Kinks, Ray Davis, Dave Davis, Pete Quaife and Mick Avery, as well as John Dalton, John Gosling and Alan Holmes. 
The album was released on BMG. See you again soon. Absolute Radio. Telling the story behind another iconic album with Tim Burgess. Get involved using the hashtag Tim's Twitter Listening Party.